Welcome in to the Horror's Edge podcast. My name is Phil. And I'm Stacy. And today we're going to be discussing, reviewing, and breaking down Halloween H2O from 1998. Um, this movie definitely brought a serious question to me that I've had before. I never had an actual discussion about it with anybody, and I'm kind of torn with my opinion on uh, what I think of it. And that's... Uh, how do you feel about franchises that end up telling you the movies prior don't matter? Ignore them. They're not part of canon anymore. So Halloween H2O takes place 20 years after um, Michael Myers first attacked in uh, 78. And uh, what they end up saying basically is Halloween's... Four, five, and six are completely retconned, completely ignore all the events in there because they did not happen. Um, they don't say Halloween 3 different happened because it's pretty much in a different universe. As far as I know, none of the Halloween movies uh, make any direct references to it. There, there are Easter eggs about Halloween 3 for sure. You definitely see the masks. You see some of the things throughout the movie in there, but they never make direct reference of Oh, you remember that massacre that happened? Uh, because obviously then everybody in the world would be dead. Yes. Um, but this movie took Halloween 4, 5, and 6 out where they uh, essentially just said in script, Laurie Strode is dead. And they obviously said this because they couldn't get Jamie Lee Curtis on board to come in for the movies. Uh, my understanding anyway, obviously. I don't know for certain that that's what happened, but I would have to assume. But then this movie comes in and says, hey, all that stuff, ignore it. We got Jamie back. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I don't know how to feel about it. What, what do you think about that scenario? Since this is kind of my first time watching the full franchise back to back, it's very confusing because they pick and choose what stuff stays and what stuff doesn't. So throughout the movie, you're kind of like, wait, I thought she died. Oh, no, she didn't die. And you're kind of playing this game back and forth of what you're supposed to believe and what you just saw. Yeah. And for me, that confusion came in place in Halloween 4 because I have seen 4, 5, and 6 in the past, but it's been a long time. Um, I know I've seen Halloween H2O more times than the others. And in my mind, uh, Lori Schrode is still alive. So when they said that she's dead, I'm like, wait a second uh no but yeah. then again yes <laughs> the whole thing was confusing so it, it, when you do this it definitely does add a level of confusion to it especially if some movies in the future end up saying oh four five and six did happen because uh, what if they want to bring a certain character back or let's say that somebody wanted to continue directly from halloween four where um jamie uh ends up turning basically into like a Michael Myers. Maybe she gets locked up for a certain amount of time and then comes right. out uh, to get Rachel, which would be a really cool type of idea. But if they did that, then they're now ignoring H2O and Resurrection. So it, it jumbles things up for fans, especially if you watch the movies out of order. And even if you watch them in order, if there is not something that specifically says as you're watching it, even if it's just a title card that says 
as a reference for our fans, this movie ignores these movies in the timeline. It gets really weird. Super confusing. Because if you if you were a casual fan in the 90s, uh, early 2000s of Halloween, and you went to the video store and you rented this, you would have no idea that they ignored 4, 5, and 6. It doesn't say it on the box. It doesn't say it on the back. It doesn't say it anywhere. It just talks about Laurie 20 years later. And in your head, you're like, oh, I, I just got done watching three movies, and I got invested in this story to where Laurie's dead. She's not here anymore. Yeah. And now she is? What? Surprise! <laughs> yeah. Uh, so... It, it definitely brings a level of confusion to it. However, comma, space, reviewing this movie, it worked. Yes. It worked really well. They, they knew that Laurie Strode was what made Halloween Halloween. And to me, that is what, yes, Michael Myers is Halloween, but Laurie Strode is the true driving force behind it. Almost as much as Ripley is the driving force behind Alien. So... Similar to Alien Resurrection, when Ripley comes back from the dead, basically as this time as a clone, you're just like, okay, but so we're ignoring the fact that she died? Well, yeah. yes, but also no. <laughs> yeah. You lose a lot of uh, clarity when you start kind of muddling all the movies together like yeah. that. And it's bound to happen when you have so many movies in a franchise, especially when some of them come out one year after the last one when when you have that type of uh forced writing scripts there are going to be bad ideas that come out somehow they they get selected as the ones that uh get selected for the movie but i don't know let's get into our actual review of this movie the way that we rate our movies is one through ten one being this movie is dog shit horrible <clears throat> Halloween 5. Uh, should never be watched by anybody. Absolutely terrible. Don't waste your time. How, uh, a 5 is average. You can put this movie on in the background. You're not going to be pissed that it's on. You're not going to feel like you just wasted your time, but it's also not going to be something that you recommend to everybody. 10 is something that just it blows you away. It's absolutely amazing, and you're going to tell everybody that's one of the greatest movies ever. Where would you rate this movie? So again, first time watcher, I gave it an eight. It wasn't mind blowing, but it was enough for me to say I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Okay. I gave this movie a nine out of 10. Wow. Um, so far, this is my highest rated movie. And the only, th I almost gave it a 10. The only thing that kept it away from there is the fact that I had to ignore three movies before it. Yeah. So it makes you think, um, one thing that actually helped quite a bit is as we were preparing to review this movie, uh, in my mind, for some reason, I thought Resurrection was the next movie up and I put it in and I was super bummed that I, I did not want to watch that movie again. I hated that movie. And then I was like, oh, crap, H2O is before this. We were like 10 seconds in the movie. So I turned it off real quick and put H2O on and all of a sudden I was in a good mood by the time the movie started. <laughs> so that definitely helped. This may have only been an eight if that wasn't the case, but thank God Resurrection, such a piece of shit, which we'll get into next, that uh, this movie got a little bump just from not being <laughs> Resurrection. <laughs> no, I thought that the movie did really well with the music. I think the music tied the movie really well together. 
And I like the story and the growth of certain characters, and I can get into that without spoiling. There was just a lot of growth that I really enjoyed. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's great seeing Jamie Lee back as Laurie Strode. The sub-characters in this movie are all acted very well. There are no stupid characters in this movie. Most of them are like famous actors or actresses. Yeah, I only recognized two of them besides Jamie Lee, but I'm sure you did. But there were only uh, essentially six people that we focused on in this movie, which helped a lot. When you only have a small group of people, that definitely helps your movie. It's going to help you with character development. It's going to not seem like, who the hell is this person? They must just be on the screen just to die, and sure enough, that's what they're there for. Yes. Now, some of these people are here just to die, and that's fine. But the way that they drive the movie forward, it helps because they get more time to develop those people. There's yep. nobody really in this movie that is just here just to be here. And I thought that it, it all worked well. The story itself was very believable. The uh, characters, their choices that they made for the most part were very believable. Yes. Um, the growth of characters was awesome to see. Yep. The, uh it's very welcome to see a bunch of the original score and soundtracks that you heard me play Sandman, which I'm sure I'll get a copyright suit for, but <laughs> I thought that it, it's so great to see all this back. This movie rocks. Absolutely. Okay. So from here, there are going to be some spoilers. So if you have not seen this movie, I would definitely tune out. I mean, we are going to do a complete breakdown, but I'm going to talk about some trivia that I read on IMDb first that kind of enhanced the movie. So if you know this beforehand, it might be fun to go in there knowing it, but there are also things that you may just not want to know at all going in. So keep that in mind. So the first one that I saw is uh, Jamie Lee Curtis considers this film a thank you note to her fans, saying directly, without that early career, I truly don't think I would have been an actor, which is really cool to hear because obviously she turned down coming in some of the earlier sequels because she did have a career going for herself. Yes. But it's cool to finally come back to it as a thank you to the fans because this movie did put her name on the map for sure. Um, It, it made her a household name. I honestly, without even clicking on her name, I don't know if I could tell you a single other movie that she's in. Do you know of any? Okay. Uh, (laughs) Now that I clicked on her name and I'm actually looking at it, she's in true lies. Uh, She's in trading places and do I know here? I guess that she played somebody in Reno 911 once. Uh, Archer, Knives Out, never saw it. So really her big stuff is Halloween. This this is what made her, and it's very cool to see her come back. And to me, it's extraordinarily welcome. I, I love seeing her in it. Uh, she plays the role so damn perfectly. Yes. Um, so very happy to see it. Uh, so at the beginning, there's a character named Norma. And uh, everything about Norma is a tribute to the movie Psycho, which I thought was really cool. So not only is Norma the first name of Norma Bates, the mother from Psycho, uh, she's standing in front of the car from Psycho. So the exact car that was in there is there. The music playing in the background in this part is from Psycho. Uh, The person who plays Norma played Marion in Psycho. The license plate on the car is the same as the second car Marion buys in Psycho, NFB 418. 
uh, which are Norman's initials. So everything about that character is a direct tribute to the movie Psycho, which obviously this franchise does take some uh, uh, ideas from. Yeah. Which is very cool to say that they, they're paying homage to it. Yeah, I like that. So John Carpenter originally was in negotiations to be the director of this movie because Jamie Lee Curtis wanted to come back. Uh, and she wanted to reunite the original cast and crew. And it was believed that Car Carpenter op opted out because he wanted no active part in the sequel. However, that had nothing to do with it. Really, it, it had nothing to do with anything except for money. Um, Carpenter wanted a starting fee as a director to be $10 million. And his reasoning behind that is he wanted this to be a trilogy, a three-picture deal with uh, Dimension Films. Carpenter rationalized this by saying the hefty fee was compensation for a revenue that he never received the original Halloween movie. So he felt that he didn't get paid nearly enough, and that that's been a battle that's been going on since the beginning of this Halloween franchise. So you hate to see it uh, be that he wasn't involved in this due to money, but at the same time, the director of this movie did a phenomenal job. So I don't know if I would have wanted to see this in a different way. Steve Miner... He did a great job directing this movie. Yeah, he put out a great story. Yeah, so I don't know if I would want another Halloween too. No. Uh, to me, this was awesome. Yep. Um, LL Cool J is in this movie, and he's in this movie because he's been a fan of the Halloween franchise since he was a child. His mother actually took him to see the original movie in theaters when he was nine years old. That's pretty cool. So to be part of a franchise that you've loved since you were a child is absolutely awesome. And the last it's nice to see a fan that's also an actor. Yep. Yep, absolutely. Uh I know like nothing about LL Cool J. Is he the one in Jump Street? No, that's Ice that's Cube. A, okay. So <laughs> I know nothing about Cool J. He, he's uh, a Deep Blue Sea. I knew I know that he's in that one. Uh what else is he in? He, he's in one of the crime shows too, wasn't he? Or is that Ice T as well? No, I think NCIS he, he or is. something like that. Yeah, something like that. Okay. Well, either way, he, he actually plays a good part in this. So I remember when I was a kid, I heard that he was in this movie, and I was like, come on, they're just trying to appease to the younger generation, which was me, uh, although I hated rap. Um, turns out he does a very good job in the role that he's given in this movie. Yeah, fits him well. Yeah, and the last little uh, bit that I'll throw out there is this movie was actually supposed to be a direct sequel to The Curse of Michael Myers, uh, and they were still going to have Jamie Lee Curtis in it. They actually even filmed a scene explaining how uh, Laurie Strode is in this movie, and it kind of takes place based around the ideas that they throw around in this one that uh, she faked her own death. Um, so I believe it was Marion was uh, a teacher in here. Uh, no, Sarah. Sarah was another teacher at the school, and she basically uh, filmed a thing saying that uh, uh, Lori Strode died in a car accident um, and Jamie Lee, who is under her fake name at the school still, um, runs to the bathroom vomiting because she faked uh, her death and went into witness protection with her son so that way Michael Myers couldn't get her. Yeah. Which... I'm glad that they went the route that they did, but 
that would have worked as well. The only difference is Mike would have had, Mike Myers would have had probably 30 more kills under his belt, which just seems completely unrealistic. Yes. Um, the fact that this guy would not be captured in, in some type of maximum security. Now, it's still unrealistic that he killed as many people as he did in the first two movies, but that's to be able to escape from that is much more manageable than if you were killed that many people in the first two as well as four, five, and six. Yes. It's just insane, which we'll get into with the newer movies because those counts get stupid high. I'm looking at you, Halloween kills. You lived up to your name. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But let's get into a breakdown of this movie. So we start out with Mr. Sandman playing. Laurie Strode is in the car and Mr. Sandman, play me a dream. And uh, shows kids cutting pumpkins and uh, card showing you that it's October 29th, 1998. And Marion is a nurse who is walking to her house and finds that her light is smashed. She steps on some glass as she gets to her front porch. So she opens the door very cautiously. She's a smarter lady. uh, And she's walking around her house. Um... And she gets spooked instantly. She runs out, runs over to her neighbor's house, and they don't answer, but then they see some of the neighbor uh, teenagers. Uh, One of them is Jimmy, who I thought was pretty funny. He's wearing a Jason mask in this. (laughs) Um, uh, And she goes over there and tells him, hey, my house is broken into. So Jimmy and his friend walk walk up to the house uh, Jimmy goes to go in, looks at his friend. He's like, Hey, aren't you going to help? No, no, I'm going to, I'm going to stay back. Uh, you know, I just want to make sure she's fine. <laughs> he's too scared to walk in. <laughs> so Jimmy walks into the house and he's, he's just a funny dude. I, I really enjoyed this character. Of Do Jimmy. you know that actor? No. That's Joseph Gordon Levitt. Yeah. I heard the name before. I don't know who he is. Yeah. Who is he? I'm glad that you know the name. I know him from Third Rock from the Sun. Okay. It's like an older kind of comedy. Gotcha. But I know that he's in, I think, that Inception movie, I believe. Okay. Oh, neat. Uh, But he he does a very good job with the role that he's given here. Um, So when he walks in... He's like, I've been uh, suspended six times from school, all right, from swinging this bad boy. He's walking in with this hockey <laughs> stick. And uh, then he walks into the kitchen and starts stealing beers from the lady's <laughs> fridge, <laughs> which Typical I thought teen. was so awesome of his character. Uh, it fits so well um, to steal the beers. So he's stealing the beers, and then he hears a noise, and he swings the uh, hockey stick real quick. <laughs> He ends up, he breaks uh, the rack that's holding her pots, hits some glass, breaks a whole bunch of shit. So he ends up coming out of the house and uh, he tells her, hey, I checked every single room in your house. It's definitely messed up. Like when he walked in the office, there was papers everywhere, everywhere in that house. Um, He's like, but I didn't see anything. Your house is clear. So except for the kitchen, he said they made a mess. <laughs> except for the kitchen, they did a real number in our kitchen, <laughs> which was him. Behold, it was him. <laughs> um, and I did look it up. There, there are quite a few movies that he's in. In addition to Inception, he's in Looper. He was also in Fifty Fifty. So he's gone on to have quite a little career of his own. Yes. Um, 
so Marion ends up going back into her house and things don't seem right. She's still very nervous. She's going from room to room. And then all of a sudden you see Myers behind her as she's checking from room to room. She turns around, he's gone, but the door's wide open again. So she, she knows somebody's in the house. So as a smart character, she leaves. She runs straight to her neighbor. She runs back to Jimmy's house and nobody's answering the door. So she just goes in and Jimmy's in the chair and he has a freaking ice skate in his face. That was such dead on a the couch. cool visual. Man, brutal as hell. And then uh, his friend is laying there dead as well. I think that he had a knife in his back, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I don't remember that one. I don't remember him, but I remember the ice skate very well. Um, so Myers comes in behind her and she doesn't see him. She picks up the phone and instantly calls the cops because that's the smart thing to do here. Um, well, no, she called the cops when she was in her house. Yes. Hey, I had somebody break in and then she runs out and she's now at the neighbor's house and she's watching. And as all this is going on, you see Myers grab a butcher knife and starts attacking her. She is able to see the cops going into her house and she's trying to yell, but obviously the window sucks. So she eventually uh, gets the window open, starts, uh, she breaks the window and starts screaming for help, but the cops are already inside. But Myers just grabs her right by the hair, pulls her head back, slits yep. her throat. Um, awesome, awesome scene. Um, at this point, we have the title card for Halloween H. Woe, 20 years later. And uh, turns out that this was Loomis's nurse. Um, and they mentioned how Myers' body was never found 20 years ago. And there is Michael Myers stuff all over this house. So she became obsessed when Loomis died. Yeah. Um, that's how it appears. And uh, they called I like it, that they threw that Loomis thing in there. They did say he died. Yeah. Yeah, they, they did very good with uh, Loomis. They didn't try and find somebody else to play the character. They didn't do anything crazy. They paid their homage to him. They made sure that he was involved in the story and that he continued on the obsession, essentially. Yes. I liked that. Yeah. So from here, the cops who were investigating the scene decide that they need to call Haddonfield to alert them of what happened. Basically, they think that this is another could be another Michael Myers thing. They're not sure. They know that it's been a very long time since that happened because uh, now we're in Northern California in this movie. We're not in Haddonfield. Um, so from here, the classic Halloween music starts playing while going through the Marion house with all the Myers stuff all over the place. Um, and there's it's just an awesome scene because Loomis is talking uh, doing all of his iconic lines uh, in like a really echoey style tone. So yes. it, it, they're paying homage to Loomis while doing the title card and uh, just awesome, awesome Loomis lines. Yeah, I really liked that. I loved seeing all the obsession with the news articles um, that his nurse had, hearing him in the background kind of echoey, kind of off in the distance, really put that scene over the edge for me. Yeah, so the title card ends with Laurie Strode screaming in bed, and her son John comes in to check on her and give her her medication. So at this point, Laurie is broken. Uh, she's visibly still very hurt by what happened. Uh, her son needs to essentially help her get through day-by-day -day life. 
And you, you do see that in scene and scene, which I thought was such a cool take to have on this, that this is still affecting her so many years later. So from here, we get to a uh, card that tells us that it's now Halloween day, October 31st, 1998. And Laurier and John are both talking about this Yosemite trip that the school is planning on taking. Uh, it's supposed to go out that day, and John is saying, yeah, I'm going to be going, and Lori keeps saying, oh, that's funny because I never approved it. Yeah, I never signed the permission slip. <laughs> I never slip. signed the permission slip, and he's just trying to pump her up to do it, but she won't do it. Lori's too scared to let him go do his own thing or to be alone on Halloween. And which you can I think tell is that his whole childhood has kind of been that way. Yeah, especially on Halloween day. John, you can tell he's just over this shit. He's yeah. over this and this is why dad left you you can't get over this this is your fault dad left because of you and Lori's just like completely upset because it's halloween and eventually john lightens up and tries to sympathize with her a little bit but you can tell that he's still very visibly upset that he can't live his own life uh because he needs to take care of her right and i don't think he realizes why she's so upset about the Halloween situation. So I th I think that he knows about Michael Myers and all the stuff that she's been through. They, they make that decently clear later on. But I'm saying as a child, yeah, a teenager, you don't have the same ability to relate to your parents with something like that unless you've been through it. I think even as an adult, you don't have the ability to help somebody go with that if you've never been through something like That's that. True. I mean, what Lori went through not just once but twice, back-to-back uh, -back movies, basically. And there's nobody that has survived. Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely insane. So from here, uh, John leaves and Lori starts looking out a window and she sees a vision of Michael Myers behind her. And instead of reacting to this... She closes her eyes. You can tell she's been and in And takes therapy. a deep breath. She sees Michael Myers everywhere. She has been this entire time. Yeah. And the way to get rid of the vision, close, close your, your eyes. eyes, take a deep breath. When you open your eyes, you're going to realize it was all in your head this whole time. And she seems to have been going through absolute hell with this her whole life. Yes. But Lori is doing... Jamie Lee's doing such an impressive job selling this character to Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Um, so from here, we see Sarah and Charlie uh, join up with John. They're some of John's friends. And they're joking about the trip and how his mom won't let him go because he's a mama's boy and just needs to be with mom, basically. Mm -hmm. But they decide that they're not going on the trip either. Yeah. So from here, we cut to Highway 139 in Northern California. And it's this really cool little scene of a mom and, I believe, her son, right? Daughter. Is daughter. it a daughter? Mm -hmm. Okay, the daughter stopped by a restroom off the highway, and they end up having to use the men's bathroom because the women's is locked. Um, as they walk into the bathroom, you see a car with a flat tire there. It definitely focuses on that. So the mom is taking all the precautions that she needs to. She makes sure nobody's in there before they walk in. Uh, as they walk in, before she lets the door shut, she sets a rock on the door so that way it can't lock them in. Because there was no lights. Yeah. Um, and uh, one cool thing that I noticed is the door of the bathroom stall that the little girl uses says 13 on it. Huh. It's not 
like an actual number 13. Somebody just wrote it on there in permanent marker, which I love seeing that little stuff. So when they're both in the stalls, the door slams shut. And the mom is definitely very nervous about what's happening. Um, and But continues on with their business. And then Meyer steals the mom's purse from underneath the stall, just reaches in, grabs it. And she is freaked the fuck out. Um, the visual of seeing Myers through the bathroom stall door crack. Yeah. Perfection. It was done very well. Um, and the mom's too scared to leave. But then when the daughter screams, she instantly bolts up and shoots out. So it was really cool to see how the mom's able to overcome her fear to uh, basically help. Um, yeah. So... The scream was only there because there was a spider in the stall. I thought that was cute. <laughs> uh, so she runs outside and sees that Myers just stole her car. Um, and then that's the end of the scene. I was really relieved that he didn't kill the girl or the mom, didn't harm him, just kind of got what he needed and walked away. Yeah. Uh, and it's for the most part at the beginning of the movies, that's what Myers tends to do. But uh, if there's not a kid involved, you know that woman would have died. Correct. Uh, so it is definitely living up to the Michael Myers character. It's not like some crazy, obscene, brutal version of him. No. So now we're back at the school, which I wrote is a very, very high class type of private school. It's, it's like super fancy. School. Yeah, and it's insanely fancy. It has its own security. It's gated in completely. Um very, very That's nice That's probably school. typical for California schools, though. Freaking California. Yeah, I'm just saying. <laughs> um, so, Lori Strode is the somebody very high up in the school, and you find out at this point that she changed her name. Her name is now Carrie Tate. It's no longer Lori Strode. Um, so, nobody in this town knows that she was involved in the things that she was involved with, with the exception of her son, John. Um, and Lori and the counselor there, Will, are basically boyfriend, girlfriend, but they keep it quiet. I don't think anybody really knows about them as a couple. Yes. Um, so from here, we go to a different scene. We're now looking at security guard Ronnie, who's LL Cool J, and he's reading this sexy novel that he wrote to his girlfriend over the phone, <laughs> and she's telling him about how stupid it is. <laughs> like, oh, that's unrelatable. Give up on your dreams of writing. You're never going to make it. Super unsupportive. Insanely, but it's a very funny scene, it and it's funny. done very well. Um, and from here, John walks up, and he asks... Uh, Ronnie, if he can let him out of the, the school, yeah. out of the gate. And he's like, oh, come on, man. You know that I can't do that. Or I got in trouble for helping you out. And he's like, come on, man. I'm going to be quick. Nobody's going to know. I need to get my girlfriend something. I need to get Molly something. So he eventually lets him. He's like, do not let your mom find out that I did this for you again. I ain't losing my job. And it's funny because uh, Ronnie's girlfriend's still on the phone. Don't you help that damn white boy out so you can uh, lose your job. You ain't losing your job over this fucker. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, which was pretty damn funny. Um, so Lori is out in town, so that way she can have lunch with Will. And I thought that, once again, good character development. She's making sure that her car is locked. Uh, and this is at a time when car locks like that were not super common. But she yes. definitely had it installed in her car. And she's spooked out by these kids running around in their Halloween costumes. And once again, she sees Meyer's reflection in the mirror <sighs> opens her eyes and it's just Will. So they uh, 
go out to lunch and he's trying to get her to talk her emotions out and saying she's lo- saying John for her bullshit. And he's like, yeah, everybody has their own bullshit. And I wrote down, they seem like a very good couple together. They, they have good chemistry together. They work well with each other. And Will definitely tries to help her get through her shit, despite not knowing at this point how much shit she has, how much baggage. He's a counselor, I, I think they said. Yeah, he's a school and counselor. You can tell that he's not trying to use his job to kind of, like, fix her, but letting her know, like, hey, I've, I'm here for you. Like, if you ever want to talk, I'm just here to listen. Yeah. Granted, he doesn't know exactly why she's so spooked and has kind of all this high anxiety today, but I think he did a really well job, really well job of calming her down. Yeah, and she's asking him things like, hey, can somebody ever get through a big tragedy that they never recover from it? She's like, I, I tried everything. It's self-medication, self-help groups, therapy, group sessions. I, I've tried everything. She's like, well, you haven't tried having me listen yet. It just worked. So he went to the bathroom, and she pulls her waiter over, and he's like, can I have another glass of Chardonnay? And he walks, and her glass is still loaded, and she's like, get me the glass. and she does that so that way she can chug this glass down and then have a fresh glass by the time will comes back so that way he doesn't know that she's drinking yeah i thought that that was a pretty cool little thing that they slipped in there uh that uh lori or in this situation carrie carrie Carrie. is uh coping with her problems with alcohol so now we're back to john and charlie and Charlie walks out of a store with a bottle of booze and says that he stole it. And he's like, well, I guess that we got to do what we got to do. And Lori catches him outside, <laughs> um, makes Charlie go to the car. And then she blows the fuck up on John. And she's just cussing at him. This is the one day of the year, the one day that I'm asking you for your help. And John's just like, I can't take it anymore. He's dead. Michael Myers is dead. Yes. Get over this. I'm sick of this being your one day. I need to be a person on my own. I can't change who I am for your one day. And he's pissed. She's pissed. So, uh, John- It was a good scene. The chemistry they had in that argument worked yeah. well. And I recognize John very much. He, he He's a character that... I watched the movie The Faculty a trillion times growing up, and he's one of the leads in that movie. Uh, so I really enjoyed him in that movie, and when I saw him in this one, it was somebody that I actually recognized. I recognize him, but not from that. I recognize him from a romantic drama, A Place on Earth. Never heard of it. Knew you wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> so John says, if you want to stay handcuffed to your dead brother, that's fine. You're not dragging me along anymore and then leaves. Such a powerful line. Yeah. So they end up getting into uh, Lori's car to drive back and she turns the car on and once again, Mr. Sandman. (laughs) So the song is there. And uh, as she drives away, you can see the car that Myers stole in the background. So Michael Myers is in town and he knows that Lori is here. So they pull up to the gate and Ronnie opens the gate for Lori and he looks in the car and John's there and he's just like, you motherfucker. <laughs> uh, Knowing he's going to get his ass yeah, chewed out. Yeah, he's going to get his ass chewed out for this for letting him out. Uh, so Molly is downstairs cooking dinner and something comes down from the f- food service elevator and it's flowers with a note from John with a, like a uh, 
treasure map, map. A treasure map for her to follow saying uh i have something for you she follows the map out and goes through some like dank dark corridors and then it ends up in this room where he has this uh table for two set up with candles everywhere big sign says happy halloween um and then they start making out and now we're back in the classroom and Lori is teaching a class about frankenstein and john and molly are both in this class and they're both goofing off not paying attention and molly looks outside and then she ends up seeing michael myers i love this everything about this scene because it's a direct call back to Lori as a kid in school yes and it goes back to Lori talking and she's talking about redemption and fate. Exact same conversation that was happening when Lori saw Michael Myers for the first time. Such a cool scene to kind of replay it exactly 20 years later, but she's the teacher and Molly's a student. Yep, and it even goes as far as Lori talking to Molly because she sees her not paying attention and yes. makes her give a... Uh, brief talk about it, and she's able to just like Lori did in the first one. I thought that was neat. Everything about this scene was really cool. So uh, Lori calls John over after the class and gives him a permission slip so that way he can go on the trip. Um, and she mentions like a million times to him, if you feel like calling me, call me. You can call me. Please call me. <laughs> Which was pretty cool because he could tell that she was only doing this to appease him, and he was super bummed out directly reminds me of my daughter she'll ask for something non-stop you give it to her and then it's like oh, thanks damn it <laughs> <laughs> uh but it's a really neat scene and it's definitely showing solid chemistry between the two um so he ends up leaving and john shows uh molly that he's got accepted to the trip she's like oh so you're going now he's like nope <laughs> <laughs> which is pretty cool finally gets what he wants and then screw it i'm not going um so from here Lori watches the bus leaves for the trip and she's obviously trying to make sure john is okay and he's leaving the buses are leaving like they're supposed yeah, to yeah you can tell she feels uneasy did she make a mistake by letting him go but knowing he has to kind of blossom and go out on his own yeah this is one of the few scenes in the movie that i was like okay that's kind of convenient you sign a permission slip the day of a massive trip that that wouldn't fly in the real world if you're signing a permission slip to a trip it has to be turned in two weeks prior so that way you can be added to all the itineraries so that yeah. way the people know that you're going to be there it doesn't work to wear this day up but i guess with her being so high up the totem pole she can make some shit happen yeah she's, so she's important yep this is the scene where norma bumps into uh Lori. And she even said the line, everybody's entitled to one good scare. Uh, the thing that I like about this movie is when people bump into each other, it's not do, it's not there to make them a jump scare. No. While the actor or actress at the time may get jumped and they may get spooked, they don't do the loud noise and something jump like a cat jumps out. Yeah. Or, oh, I, I bumped into you, let me play a really loud noise and make you jump. Uh, they just do it to show that the character is spooked. And here you can clearly see Lori is freaked the fuck out because it's Halloween. Okay. And uh, she tries to comfort her because she knows that her past. So I believe Norma does know um, based yeah. on this scene. It, it's not officially said. I don't think that she says I know about Michael Myers. But she knows that this day troubles her. And uh, she seems to be really trying to comfort her. Yeah. Uh, and she ends up saying happy Halloween on the way out. And that just struck Lori 
uh, struck another nerve. So Lori, once again, broken person, getting more character development with it. So after the bus leave, the uh, Myers car pulls up to the gate. Um, Ronnie, the security guard, is on the phone with his girl reading his story again. <laughs> um, and he goes outside because he's trying to yell to the car. Nobody's answering. He walks up to the car. Nobody's there. And uh, he walks back in, locks the gate. And it, Myers, obviously, when he walked back in, walked in, left the car there. Yeah. Um, the security guard tries to make a phone call, but all of the phone lines are down, so he's not able to. So from here, we're back to Lori, and she's leaving her office. She hears a bump in her office, but ignores it. She's like, I'm not getting scared. I'm just going to go. She sees Myers in her garden, <sighs> closes her eyes, opens her eyes. He's still approaching her. Closes her eyes, opens her eyes. He's still approaching her. And he's almost at her at this point, but she's willing to do it one more time. And then it's Will. So she's making the right decisions despite her still seeing Myers at this mm -hmm. point. Um, so from here, Will basically asks her if they want to spend the night together. She agrees that that would be a great idea. And as you're... As they're both leaving, Will sees Michael Myers walking away, um, which I thought was pretty neat. So from here, Sarah and Molly are hanging out in their room, and uh, Will walks in. So Sarah is Will's daughter, and the jokes between these guys landed pretty well. They're being father and daughter. They're joking around with each other. He's joking back with them, and it was a pretty funny scene, and it worked pretty well. Yeah. I didn't write down the exact jokes, but it definitely worked for Something me. Something about getting tattoos or piercings, I think. Yeah, he's like, I can't do that because I'm going to be busy with all the hookers. Yes, yeah, <laughs> I'm getting my nipples pierced. Yeah, I thought that it was pretty good. Yeah. Um, so from here, it shows Lori just pouring a tall glass of vodka to herself and chugging the fuck out of the thing. And then she looks in the mirror and then she doesn't see Myers. So obviously vodka is how she copes with the visions of Michael Myers. Yes. And then she takes a swig of uh, mouthwash before leaving, once again covering up the fact that she's an alcoholic due to this. Yes. And, uh, which I thought was pretty neat. And Will shows up to her house at this point, knocks on the door, and he brought a pumpkin over. So we're back to the teens party. There's tons of candles lit. This is the room that Will set up for Molly. And it's a pretty neat little scene. Charlie leaves to go get booze. Lori and Will are making out. And uh, Lori tells Will, I'm not who you think that I am. And he's just joking around because he wants to have sex. And she's like, no, my, my brother killed my sister when I was 17. He got locked up. He got out and then he came after me. He killed a lot of my friends on Halloween. I was like, yeah, I know the story of Michael Myers. Real spooky story. Yeah. And she's like, no, that that's me. I am the girl hoping and praying every year that my brother won't find me. Uh, so at this point, it's unveiled that Lori is just completely broken. She faked her own death. She changed her name and that's how she got uh, away from the situation. Uh, Will found out and he's just... Like, complete shock for her. Um, Even though he was joking, kind of, 
messing with her before. Well, that's because he didn't think that she was being serious. No, I know. I'm saying it shows the character growth with him once it sets in that she's Lori. Complete He's no longer trying to have sex with her. He's trying to consult her. Yes. Let's get through this night together. Yeah. Um, So... He says something that makes her freak the fuck out. I forget what he says, but something about taking care of your son. She's like, oh my fucking God. I was 17 when this happened. John's 17. Something's going to happen to John right now. So she tries to get the phone and call John, and the phone lines are dead. So the first thing that Lori does, grabs a gun uh, and goes to look for him. So Ronnie, the security guard, uh, was at the door when she opened it because he was going to report to her that something's going on. She said, hey, the phones are down. He's like, yeah, I know, and there's a weird car outside with nobody in front. I just came over here to let you know. So now we're back to the kids. Sammy is looking for Charlie, couldn't find him. She's looking around the dark rooms, and he spooks her. But once again, it's not a jump scare. We're not scared, but she is. Mm -hmm. Um, So he goes up in the little food service elevator to get a – corkscrew openers so that way they can open up all the wine that they're about to have and uh when he goes in there he drops the corkscrew in a garbage disposal and you can see michael myers behind him so you're just like oh man this is gonna get gnarly as fuck that's what i thought uh but it was a fake out that didn't happen so he which grabs, I, I like sometimes yeah, it, absolutely it doesn't need to be brutal all the time or if it is going to be brutal let it be in a way that you're not expecting which I, I love. I like that they th- they tried to make us think it was going to be that way, and it wasn't. I appreciated that. Yeah. So from here, he gets the corkscrew. He turns around and Myers is face-to-face with him. And you get this really cool visual of Michael Myers' eye. And you can see the reflection of Charlie looking at him. Uh, just freak the hell out. So from here, we got Sammy looking for Charlie downstairs, and she spooked again. And the service elevator starts coming down, and when she opens the door, Charlie's in there with his throat just completely split wide open. Very, very brutal scene. It's such a simple death, but the way that they do it is so brutal. Um, So as soon as she sees this, she turns around and Myers is in the room. She goes into the service elevator to get away, and Myers stabs her in the leg before uh, she's able to shut the door. So now she's stabbed in the leg. Gets in the service of the elevator. She's going up. and She's in this elevator with her dead boyfriend, which creepy in itself. Yeah. She gets up to the next floor. She starts getting out. And then you see Myers cut the rope of the elevator. So the elevator comes crashing down and it snaps the fuck out of her ankle. Her <sighs> ankle just gets destroyed. So, uh, so now she's got the huge gash in her leg and her other ankle is just completely destroyed. So she's... Uh, hobbling she's on the ground trying to basically low crawl for her life Mm -hmm. um now it pans to john and molly who hear the crash and uh basically want to figure out what's going on um we're back to sarah limping away with a busted ankle myers is back and he just brutally just goes to town with the butcher knife on her stab 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 um it's not being graphic it's not showing you it But you can see how much force he's using, shoving this knife in him. Awesome death. Awesome death. And it goes to show you don't have to show the violence of it to know the violence of it. Exactly. 
Uh, John and Molly are now searching the kitchen with no power, and you can see blood all over the place, and they follow the trail, which leads them to Sarah, whose body is hung up with a light going through it to show the body. So that's the only light on in the room. Really cool visual. They notice it, and then they see Myers in the background. Once again, really cool visual. Really, really well shot. As soon as they see this, they flee. They got to get the fuck out of here. And they're not messing around. They, They take the smartest path. And they're fucking out. Plain and simple. I think it it hit home for John at that point. Yeah. This is real. This is why my mom has been scared for 20 years. Because he's not dead. No. He thought he's dead. There's no way he's still alive. Um, So from here, they get the hell out of there. Um, Myers jumps out of the woods and grabs Molly. But John attacks him to uh, be the hero in the situation. Myers stabs John in the leg. And Molly pushes them off. So they're both trying to help each other here. Neither of them are being stupid about this. Um, They get up to a gate, and Molly's fumbling a little bit over the keys. This is one of the very few horror tropes that this movie uses, is the fumbling of the keys or the car not turning on the first crank. But uh, she gets the right key, and they get in, and she drops the keys. Because if you didn't just let go of the door instantly, Myers would have killed both of them. Yeah. Um, so Myers reaches in with his arm and he's slashing really cool sound effects of the knife going back and forth. And Lori lets him in last second. Um, I liked now the face to face between Lori yeah. and Michael Myers through the window of the door. Yeah. Complete silence, but they're staring at each other. Great scene. Yeah. So this scene was used heavily in the promotions for this movie, so I knew it was there before seeing it. I wish I never did because it's one of the coolest visuals in any of the Halloween movies that we've seen up to this point. Exactly. It's Laurie confronting her brother through the window, just staring at each other after not seeing each other for 20 years. Yes, I really enjoyed that. Will asks who it was. He knows, but he says, "Who, who the hell is this? And she just goes, my brother. So Lori instantly takes control of the situation, pushes John and Molly into a room and tells them, we need to try and live. That's what, what do we do? What do we do? We need to try and live through the night. If we yeah. can make it through the night, we're going to be just fine. See, and she knows because she's been there. Yeah. So Will is with Lori um, and he sees somebody break in and he instantly takes the gun from her. Bang, 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 bang. A couple of wild misses, but then a couple of dead-on hits. And it turns out that it was Ronnie, the guard, that walked in. And both of them just, like, complete... Oh, fuck. Yeah. Uh, Unlike a lot of horror movies where it'll just be like, all right, well, shit, let's move on. They're actually showing a lot of sympathy that they just did this. Um, Myers comes back, and it's at this point, as soon as he comes back in, he... uh, Stabs Will, and he stabs him so hard that he's lifting him off the ground. Once again, another awesome throwback to some of the scenes that they had in prior movies. Thought that it was really well done. As they were in a moment of sympathy, he comes in and strikes. So, very neat how that happened. Um, So, from here, as soon as he stabs Will, Lori runs away. She doesn't even wait to see if Will is still alive or if he dies. Um... She's not playing around. No, absolutely not. So she runs away and tricks him to think that she ran into this door, and he just violently attacks the door trying to break into it. Um, But it turns out that she tricked him, and uh, 
she smashes him right in the head with a fire extinguisher. I love that she's playing mind games just like he plays mind games. Yep. So after she smashes him in the head with a fire extinguisher, she then grabs John and Molly, and then they all run out together. Uh, they get in the car, and Lori, uh, one of the tropes, the key not working in the car, and then it works right at the last second before Myers gets to uh, the car, but she hauls ass as soon as he touches the handle of the door. Um, Lori hops out to the gate and tells Molly to leave with John and go get the police. She's going to be right behind them. I'm going to be right behind you. And, uh, they kind of fight back and forth of whether they're going to do it. And then eventually they just leave. So now she locks herself in with Michael Myers. And then there's a pretty cool scene where she grabs a rock and you're thinking, okay, she's going to try and fight Mike with a rock. No, (laughs) she takes that rock and smashes the thing to open the gate so now she's locked inside with michael or michael is locked inside with her depending on how you look at it so they're playing the halloween theme as soon as it shows Lori just complete game face on and she's now the one stalking michael myers uh she ends up uh breaking some glass and taking a fire axe and she's calling out mike michael i'm here michael i'm here and uh she's walking around the building trying to find him And I remember loving the visual of this scene because Myers just very slowly lowers himself from the ceiling while just holding on with one arm. Very cool visual. Um, And then they start getting into a little scuffle. Lori's hiding underneath tables uh, when Myers is walking around the room. And then there's a sequence where... Uh, Myers is standing on the table and she doesn't quite know that she goes to leave and stabbing this whole table sequence I could have done without uh, it felt very forced in there um, I like the character growth that they gave Lori she became a badass bitch yeah I love that she's stalking him she's playing games with him she's really trying to get into Michael's mind to freak him out I don't think it's gonna work but I love what they did with her character. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So from here, uh, Myers is pushing the tables away. She grabs the California flag, stabs Michael in the gut with it because it has the uh, sharp edge to it, and then runs away. She grabs a bunch of knives at this point just starts chucking them at Michael. You can tell that she can throw the knives because they're definitely piercing into the wall, but she's got bad aim and doesn't really hit him. Um, From here... She wasn't hiding, jumps out, attacks with double knives. So she's got akimbo knives at this point, which is freaking cool as shit. Yeah. And she's stabbing the shit out of Michael's uh, Michael with him. And she ends up stabbing him in the chest with one of the butcher knives, and he falls off the balcony. Lori walks downstairs, and I thought that it would be one of those situations where when she got down there, Michael wouldn't be there, but he still was. Um, so... Uh, he's still there, knife in his chest. He's sprawled out. She pulls the knife out and goes to stab, stab him again. But then Ronnie stops her and kept saying to her, he's dead. He's dead. Leave him alone. He's dead. Uh, so the coroner shows up. Um, I was expecting another jump at this point, but it yeah. didn't happen. The coroner shows up. Uh, Ronnie is talking to his girl. I like that they didn't do that because you're waiting for it. You know it's going to happen at some point. And they keep hinting it's not here, it's not here, it's not here. Yeah. So I think that really builds up to a really great moment. So Ronnie's still alive at this point. LL Cool J is talking to his girl about, hey, I got a new idea. 
it's going to be a uh, romantic thriller. <laughs> so he's still talking about his goddamn book despite all these people dying. And for the first time, his girlfriend's actually supportive. Like, yeah, that's what's going to work. Yeah. So uh, Lori sees Michael Myers uh, in a body bag and they zip it up. Now, for whatever reason, they leave that mask on. You know, whenever somebody goes in custody or something like that, I'm pretty sure the first thing that they'll do is rip the mask off of them. Yeah. But whatever. Uh, he goes in the body bag with the mask on, and she instantly sees this, and she pulls a gun from a cop, holds it to the cops, and says, don't even try. She hops in the corner van and then drives off, blasts through the fucking gate, and... She keeps looking behind her, waiting. She knows that she's going to come up, but she's just waiting, and it's not happening. Keeps driving, keeps looking, and then all of a sudden, we see motion. She turns around, there's no motion. And then he slowly starts getting up, and she uh, looks back, smiles, and slams on the brake as she's smiling. He flies out of the car. She waits for him to stand up, and then just fucking slams on the gas drives this van into mike and off of a goddamn cliff uh the she gets tossed out of the van the van pins michael up against a tree and that's the only part of that scene that i did not care for was when he was pinned against the tree it was so it was done so lamish like the way he was shaking it didn't look realistic when you had that huge build-up to that part. I loved that, it. That fell short. Just that little pin to the tree. Just his action, his movement in that moment didn't make sense to me. I loved it um, because Myers was almost reaching for her her help. He couldn't get out. After, so he's, but I'm saying when it first happened. Gotcha. Uh, I loved it. Um, so from here, he's reaching out for her help, uh, and she acts like she's going to give a hand, but in actuality, she's using that hand to pick up an axe and chops his fucking head off. And then the Halloween theme music plays, cops come, credits roll, fuck yes. Yeah. This movie is awesome. Great last scene. Yep. And the next movie completely erases the scene, and it just pisses you off. To I mean, even knowing that it happens, which obviously there's a sequel, uh, that's a direct sequel to this, so you know that's going to happen. I'm not really spoiling anything at this point. But the fact that Halloween Resurrection even exists just pisses me off to no extent. Even when I'm watching this movie and I'm cheering and I'm happy as hell, I'm so mad that I know that this movie is in existence and it takes away what is such a great ending to such an awesome franchise. What a letdown to such an awesome scene. It's so perfect. If you're going to do something, and I know at this point, reboots weren't super popular. Um, The sequels of kind of like retconning everything hey the original exists none of the rest do isn't a big thing yet both of those are completely acceptable things if they did a reboot of halloween next or if they did something to uh, acknowledge certain movies similar to what this one did and then just say the rest of them didn't exist i'd be fine with that too but this is such the perfect ending to this franchise where laurie finally comes back laurie finally gets her revenge laurie kills michael like definitively Head chopped off. And that's the end of the movie. There is no, but his hand is twitching, or is it Michael, or any of that. It's just 
Michael's dead. Lori won. Right. Game so over. Final. Perfect. So if you can take it in your head that none of that resurrection doesn't exist, perfect end to the franchise. But we all know that it does exist. We are going to get to it next. This is the Horror's Edge podcast, and I'm Phil. And I'm Stacy. We'll catch you next time.